Welcome to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hanson, hosted by attorneys Sean Garner and Adam Hanson. Welcome to another edition of Life, Death, and the Law. I'm Sean Garner, an attorney with Deason, Garner, and Hanson, and I'm in studio here with my partner, Adam Hanson, and we have a special guest with us, Thomas Sparks from the military base. He is a JAG officer with the Marine Corps and uh, looking forward to having him join our staff here in January. Thanks for having me. We also have I was going to say something. When you said JAG officer, I, I can't help myself, but you can't handle the truth. Uh, yes. No. You get that all the time? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that never get old. Okay. It never gets old, though. But it yeah, feeds, that's true. I'll, I'll always take it. It feeds right into what we're discussing today, and, and that's the different candidates of uh, for president and and that's vivek ramaswamy's mantra is we can handle the truth and and it's a spin of course off of that uh famous line there and and a few good men but uh, we also want to um introduce cody beeson here he is our comic relief and uh, also <laughs> running the board so cody yes sir you're a comedian make us laugh oh mercy <laughs> um now do that, it now. that one came on quick. Uh-huh. Um, my 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 lady likes to call our our pugs uh, sisters, you know, because they're all a, a group. They're a grumble of pugs. I think they're more like inmates in a white collar penitentiary. Yeah. You know what I mean? They didn't choose how they got here, but uh-huh. they're all together, and sometimes we keep them in cages. Yeah. So Did you dress them in orange? No, no. But they get pampered, you know. Do you dress them up at all? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> How Halloween, like they get a a themed. Nice. Yeah. Well, what we want to talk about today initially is um, the presidential candidates. And I've got my favorite. I know Adam's got his. And I don't know um, where Thomas stands on this. But I want to talk about... Biden. You're Biden all the way, right? He is commander-in-chief. Yeah. Oh, he right. is your commander-in-chief. He is. That's true. You got to watch what you say. So, um, can, yeah. How um, freely can you speak about uh, your preferences about politics i can speak about my preferences for politics but i will say that with this topic specifically and other other topics what i say is my opinion it doesn't reflect the the dod's official standards for for anything oh okay Mm -hmm. sure so um let's talk about a few things my favorite candidate is vivek ramaswamy and there's a few things that he comes out and really puts forward as new ideas that I've been looking at and, and think are great renovations to how we run politics in the United States. One is the flat tax. He says we need the broadest base of people paying the broadest and lowest tax possible. And the flat tax is the way to achieve that. I think the flat tax does a lot of different things because it allows each American to participate in the society and the more that you participate in the society that you live in, the more that you appreciate it. You're not likely to, to do graffiti on a wall that you either helped construct or at least pay for. And you're less likely to burn down a city that you're contributing to with the infrastructure. And the further away that you get from the financing of the everyday infrastructure that we receive, then you're, you're more likely to appreciate it. So I think it's a great disservice to have people um, excused from paying the tax. And, and I think that it's a great disservice also to punish people 
who are wealthy and successful and creating the jobs and making the economy go forward by making them pay a higher tax. Now, Cody, you and I have disagreed on this point before. Okay. I mean, I, 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 I feel you and I agree with the, the sense that um, if you want to have value, you got to have some skin in the game. You right. Know, if it but costs you the nothing. Flat, the flat tax in particular. Okay. Ha- haven't we? I thought you. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm for anything that makes sense. You know, if, if we can balance the budget this way, if we can get to a balanced budget, right. you know, if we can actually uh, make it make sense, then yeah, it should be fair. Um, for those that think that a graduated tax is more fair, let me pose this question. If I make $100,000 and I pay, let's say, let's just make the numbers easy because we're attorneys and um, we're not mathematicians here. So $100,000 and we got a 10% flat tax, which would be wonderful, um, then that's $10,000 for me. And somebody else down the street makes $10,000. They only have to pay $1,000. Now, we both get to enjoy the infrastructure that is provided from our tax dollars, but I'm contributing 10 times more, not only in my tax dollars, but arguably in how much I produce because how much I work or, or my ingenuity and how many people I employ. And so I'm contributing a lot to the success of the economy. And so forcing me to pay 20% or 30% because I make that $100,000 is not only disingenuous, it is um, going to punish me for that success. And the individual who pays a lower amount because they are less economically successful encourages slothfulness and, and um, individuals to pull back from their full potential. So that's my argument for the flat tax. I think that it's not unjust for me to pay $10,000 when my neighbor is only paying $1,000. If we're both paying the 10%, we're both contributing. I think that's the fairest way to cut it, to, to deliver the ultimate benefit. I don't think he should have to pay the same amount as taxes that I pay, you know, that we both get capped at, say, $5,000. But um, I, I really, really strongly agree with the flat tax. Um, Vivek Ramaswamy is the only one that's come out very adamantly that the flat tax is a way to go about it. And so he's my candidate for the, from not just that aspect, from just that fresh viewpoint and introducing that concept again as a possibility. Another thing I really like about him is that he's understood that uh, these agencies that have become a fourth branch of the government – um, the CDC, the FBI, um, the EPA, all of these three-letter agencies have begun to run everyday um, life on an everyday basis. You know, where we, where we fish, where we hunt, where we get lumber, what medicines we take, whether or not we have to take... Uh, a vaccination, you know, whether or not we need to stay in our home as opposed to run our business and protect our properties. All of these agencies determine that, whether or not they're going to uh, storm our house, right, and and accuse us of, of having guns. What information you can have and you can retweet. Right. They've, they've kept that from happening. The CDC in particular, FBI as well, yeah. but based on CDC information that we both know or all of us know, is um, very much filtered through their lens of what they want to accomplish in their narrative. I guess my question before I go on to his, his other 
seemingly radical um, proposals, but that I really like. I want your feedback. What do you think? Flat tax, good or bad? Good. Possible? Yes. How amazing would that be to know that we've got a number at the end of the year of how much we have to pay? That, that would solve so many problems. There was recently a study that uh, there was over 40 accountants that did a relatively mundane tax return, and there are 40 different outcomes. That's ridiculous. That means we're, we're all just guessing at it. And if we guess a little too generous for ourselves, then we, uh, we could get thrown in jail. We could certainly have our um, bank accounts seized by the IRS and a lien put on our house and our, and our business. And um, if we guess too generous and we feel like we're being robbed, I mean, I think we feel like we're being robbed anyway. But um, so that, that's one real big aspect of it. What about the administrative agencies? What about getting rid of the FBI and, and just going over to the, so he's not saying get rid of the FBI and so now we don't have a, a federal arm for enforcing the law. He's saying we have federal marshals and the FBI is repetitive and it's corrupt. So why don't we just go back to the federal marshals and uh, get rid of the redundancy there? I agree with that. So I think the more administrative agencies we can eliminate or reduce, I think is better for all of us as a populace. And I think when it comes, if you think about what the FBI or the CIA is going to do for us, it's all about protection or protection of our interests here um, in the United States. Doesn't that already fall under the purview of the military? Doesn't the military already protect us here at home and abroad? So why do we need these? National Guard type thing. Additional agencies to do even more. All they're doing is really just doing it subvertly, right? They're tapping our phones. They're looking at our personal information on our on our cell phones. They're flying drones over our houses. They're storming our houses uh, on tips that uh, may or may not be warranted to get our guns. So why would you have an agency that does that, that doesn't have any elected officials being held accountable? We'd have to elect the president to really do a sweeping change to those agencies, and then they appoint their directors of those agencies, which you could argue, well, that's the point of our democratic republic, is that you go to the pool, the polls and you elect a president that you agree with most of his or her stuff, and they're going to implement these directors that hopefully will do a good job in these agencies. But really, once you've appointed those those directors, and they're confirmed by the House and the Senate, you really have no control. They can do what they want. A good, a good example of that would be uh, Mayorkas in the, in the um, Customs and Border Patrol Agency. He, there are law, federal laws to prevent illegal immigration in our country. And when you have a Mayorkas at the helm that says, well, I don't, I don't agree with those federal laws, it's not so much that he does, doesn't want to enforce them. He just doesn't agree with them, so he doesn't enforce them. That's not technically allowed under our Constitution. The executive branch right. has the duty of implementing the laws of the land. If you don't like those laws, there's a legislative way to do go around that, to change the law. But it's not just you don't enforce law. The executive branch enforces the law. When you don't do that, then you're now you're, you're, um, subject to removal. Right, you're subject to impeachment. So Mayorkas could be impeached and removed. The president could be impeached and removed. Is anybody going to have the the gumption to do that? I doubt it. Not in political Washington. So we don't have, I don't feel, a, a voice 
when it comes to administrative agencies. I think you're exactly right. Tom, what do you think about agencies in your life and your opinion of them, good or bad? I think agencies can be a good tool if used properly. You know, when we think about just how a business is set up, for example, some of the most successful businesses in the world are based on delegation. So obviously the president can't be everywhere all the time, but and Congress can't either. So you have these agencies that are delegated with trust that they'll actually do what they're supposed to be doing. But anytime an agency, in my opinion, whatever it would be, whatever three-letter word or you know agency name you want to go with, operates outside the bounds that they're supposed to. They've gone, if they go rogue and do their own thing and uh, commit crimes, if that be the case, then all of the time that is wrong. And if it can be salvaged where we have a change in leadership, if that needs to happen, that can work. Or I think Vivek has also said, like, I think his comment to the FBI specifically was, it's too far gone, so we would need to just do away with it and create another, either use the U.S. Marshals or use a different agency that has a brand new culture, because at that point it's just too far gone. So whatever you need to do, but that would be my take, is any time that you've got agencies acting rogue and committing crimes, they they need to go. We've talked a lot about uh, the... Vivek proposals this segment we've got to go to break when we come back we're going to talk about two other candidates that are, that are in the the running that is Trump and DeSantis and we're going to talk about their differences and and our opinions there as well so we'll be right back after this coming up more thought-provoking conversations on life death and the law right after this Hey, you, my Dave Ramsey here. If you listen to our show or know anything about us, then you know I only recommend products and services I trust and I believe in. That's why when it comes to protecting your assets and planning for your loved one's future, you've got to call my friends Sean Garner and Adam Hansen at the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen. I encourage you to take the first step and attend a free, no-pressure seminar and learn all of your options. The firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen has been educating the Yuma community for over 40 years, and this is the only area of law that they practice. Sean and Adam believe in giving free education to help people make smart decisions about their assets and help them leave a legacy for their family that they can be proud of. Schedule a free personal consultation today. Call 783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com. You're listening to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by Deason, Garner, and Hanson, the law firm that has been voted Yuma's best six years in a row. Welcome back. Before the break, we talked a lot about Vivek Ramaswamy and some of the, what would some would say are radical ideas in his running for president of the United States this upcoming election cycle. And uh, we just talked about a couple ideas. Sean brought up uh, the flat tax idea. That's been floated around many election cycles in the past. And a lot of times people laugh at that. We talked about why that might be a good thing. I, I agree with Sean. I think it's a good, simple way of doing things. And um, we also talked about the administrative state and agencies that are running our lives. Did I say running or ruining? Either one. Yeah. But uh, what we're going to do is we're going to shift gears. We're going to talk about two other candidates that are in the running against President Joe Biden uh, in this next election cycle. And that would be 
the one and only Mr. Donald Trump, love him or hate him. And then we've got DeSantis throwing his hat in the ring. So Governor DeSantis of Florida. And so, Sean, you have your own opinions of both of these gentlemen. And uh, we'll get into that in just a second. Tom, you do too. But before we get there, Cody's going to throw up a recent interview between Dave Rubin and who was the other guy? Charles Kirk. Charlie Charles, Kirk. Charlie Kirk. And one is a one is on board with Trump and one is on board with DeSantis. And so they're kind of going back and forth. So listen to their ideas and see what you think. I don't know one thing that Ron DeSantis uh, has not done that we would have wanted him to do. Florida is safe. Its economy is absolutely booming. We fund the police here. We're getting ESG out of our institutions. We've done that, which that's actually perhaps the biggest issue that people don't talk about that often because it's kind of in the weeds on how corporations are putting wokeness on all of us. I know you talk about it, but the average person doesn't, and they certainly don't in corporate America. Uh, he has fought Disney. He has fought the endless racialization of our children by getting rid of this AP African American Studies course that was, in essence, going to teach gender theory. We've gotten some of these books that are sexualizing our children out of schools. He has done literally everything that anyone right-leaning could believe in or, or could possibly want to happen. I would say he's done one or two things that are a little bit more right-leaning than, than I would want. Oh, perhaps. they're perfect for me, Dave. I got to say, I love that stuff. No, <laughs> no, absolutely. But I would ask you, what is there anything that Ron DeSantis, you're, you're at least a part No, he, he, he's, a, he's America's greatest governor. I've said that. And, I, and by the way, I just, I've said that repeatedly. Okay, so it was good to hear. First off, I want to credit Charlie. Charlie brought me on his show to let me say what I believed. And obviously, I went ahead and did it. Charlie said right there that uh, DeSantis has been America's greatest governor. He later went on to say that I think his exact quote was 100 percent when I asked him if DeSantis was the best governor when it came to COVID. Uh, and then we got into a little bit of my criticisms around Trump. I thought you might find this one interesting. But here's what I would like to see out of DeSantis. We could talk after the break, Dave. You know, when we go to a college campus, you say, hey, if you disagree, go to the front of the line. I want to say, I want to see somebody get in the arena and say, hey, I, I, I'm willing to throw out the script. I'm willing to just take any question. I'm willing to kind of just fight. It's more kind of total and attitudinal. Um, Dave, your reaction, 20 seconds. We'll pick it up after the break. Sure. So look, if in essence, and we'll pick it up after the break, if in essence, your your point is, oh, I agree with virtually all of the policies and nobody has accomplished more than this guy and done everything I want to do. But but there's a little bit of a marketing issue here. All right, I'll go with you on that. And I think that can be dealt with. The base is very smart and they're constantly looking in a way of who's going to betray me next. This is the advice I'd g I gave to DeSantis privately and publicly. And right now, the Rubicon has been crossed where they think DeSantis is going to betray him. I'm not even saying that's fair, but, but I'm not Trump, saying it's fair. Charlie, I it's mean, honest. I mean Trump, Trump has done far more to betray the truth and, and in a certain way, the, the, the respect of the base every time he lies about DeSantis, right? So, so when he lies about COVID in Florida, who, who was the best governor for COVID in Florida, COVID in the country? DeSantis, 100 percent. But this, yeah, who, uh, has here's more, the thing. who has more in, who has done more work and more praise for Paul Ryan? Is it Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump for Paul Ryan? I can't yeah, who, I can't is, speak either way. But at, at the same time, we could talk about well, it after I the break. Speak either way. I mean, I can show you plenty of videos of Trump talking but, about how much but, he loves but, Paul but, Ryan. Dave, I will agree with you that in terms of some of the strategy of the rollout, they probably should have been more aggressive. I do see that changing. Look, DeSantis just went on uh, Russell Brand last week. Uh, he just went on CNN for the first time last week. I think he's doing Megyn Kelly this week, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Mm -hmm. And she's been very, very critical of him. 
Uh, Russell's a lefty. I mean, he certainly uh, is, you know, no one that you would call a traditional conservative by any stretch. I would love to see him go on the view, sit directly with those women and call out their endless lies about Florida. You know, Anna Navarro, who lives in Miami, who rails against Florida every day. He should sit right next to her and call her out. Um, so if you want, if your question is really, do you want to take some of the, the anger that the base has because of the way Trump's being treated and he's being treated horribly. And I yeah. completely it's, agree it's, with that. It's righteous. Um, I agree. I agree. There's probably some way to do that. But I would also say to some extent, ten, if, you just want to view yep. this, if you just want to view this in the political lens, maybe this is why Trump should stop lying about DeSantis every which way. And you know he is. My take from that. Ron DeSantis, I look at his track record in Florida, and it's amazing. I consider from time to time moving to Florida. If I didn't love where I live so much, that's where I would consider living. Texas, South Dakota, Florida, those are right on the top of my list. Idaho, of course, because, you know, anybody that wants to escape the government goes to northern Idaho, right? So, um, but Ron DeSantis is one of those guys that he's stood up against all odds and, and been successful for what traditionally we see as Americans to be our rights. He's stood up against the crackdowns that came through the COVID um, implementations of the restrictions from moving out of your house or getting out of your house and uh, going and running your business and the mask mandates and the vaccine mandates. In fact, he instituted laws that or signed laws and then supported them that uh, strictly forbid the vaccine mandates. And uh, those were positions that were not known what the outcome was going to be that could have destroyed his political career. That's the type of person that, that makes judgments based on his principles and says, you know, if, if, if that's not what the population wants, then they can vote me out of office and does it anyways, despite the politics of it, that I want running the, off, that I want running the country. Um, we, we haven't seen that for a long time. We have people that watch the polls. We have people that watch what the temperature of the general populace is. And that is not what we have as far as a government. We have a constitutional republic. We don't have a democracy. A democracy is essentially mob rule, where a bunch of people get together and they determine what rights an individual ought to have at any given point of time, and they vote for or against those rights. A republic establishes those rights as fundamental and then elects representatives to, number one, secure those rights and protect those rights, and then institute laws that will protect the, the um, citizenship as a whole. That's what Ron DeSantis has done. So I think he's been a fantastic governor. Of course, I like Vivek Ramaswamy because of his talking points, and he's, he's wonderful in what his viewpoints are. But Ron DeSantis has a track record to back him up, and that, that's a hard thing to um, argue against. I agree. And so what I hear these two individuals really arguing about is, well, DeSantis is so great because we can see his track record. Well, he, ran, he runs Florida, Donald Trump ran the United States of America, and he has a track record, track record as well. And I think those that agree with DeSantis's policies and the way that he's been running Florida would also agree with the policies of the Trump administration. And I often heard this during the Trump administration. I hate the guy, but I love the policies. He was pushing and going forward. And I heard you say something in your argument for DeSantis that I thought if you were to insert 
Trump in there as well, you would probably have that same, you could say the same thing about him, that he constantly went against the grain, yeah. he stuck to his principles, and people hate him for it, but yet he knew that he would be voted out of office if um, the populace wasn't with him, even if it was unpopular. You said that for DeSantis, you could say that for Trump. So you have it on the macro scale and the United States president. You know what you're going to get if you get Trump back in office. You're going to get back yes. to make America great again, going back to those policies that were very effective in making us, I would argue, the greatest country in the world, again, because of our GDP, because of our military strength, and uh, because of our respect around the world. So you know what you're going to get with Trump. My problem with Trump is not so much what he says and how he says it or or those types of things. It's more of his age. I'm really concerned about his age. He is the same age as Biden, and Biden has already declined. We know that. And maybe Trump doesn't show it as much, but still, I mean, he's he's in his 80s, and if he gets elected, that's another four years. It, sh it just doesn't bode well for an individual in that in that realm. I'm not saying that he can't do it, but come on. I mean, we need some fresh blood in there. That's why I would be more apt to vote for DeSantis or Vivek. Vivek, in my opinion, runs circles around them intellectually. As you watch him debate with MSNBC, with CNN, with uh, Fox News, he, he is a great orator. I mean, I think he's better yeah. than Obama when it comes to speaking. He's he, fantastic. He controls the situation, and the reason why is because he is fundamentally uh, he he bases his arguments on fundamentals that do not change. And so when you're having a discussion with an individual that's going off on tangents, he brings it back to the fundamental principle that he believes in, and that's just fantastic to me. Whereas you got a DeSantis, you got a Trump, and they, they say a lot of fun, fluffy stuff, but not a lot of substance. And I, I believe that well, Vivek I think, I shows more that, substance. Sure, I think DeSantis says a lot more substance than Trump. Trump, yeah, I think it goes in degrees. At at um, congratulating himself for how amazing of a person he is, and any issue that comes up, he will bring it back to how amazing of a person he is on on whatever he applied himself to, whether it be the border, whether it be crime, whether it be drugs, um, all of that, the economy, and he. Rather than giving credit to anybody or anything else, he just absorbs it and then exudes it back. And I and I have an issue with that. The other issue that I have with Trump, and I want to I want to give um, can I can I respond here. to that though? What I hear you say is he's a promoter. He promotes himself. He knows what he's doing. He he's not dumb. And I think it's a psychological move. I don't know if he actually really believes it. I think he he gets in the habit of doing this of promoting he is promoting himself constantly. That's all he does. He's a self promoter. Yeah, I disagree. I think he one hundred percent believes it, and that's the problem. I think that he is God's gift to the earth, and whatever decision he makes must be correct. And and I think that people that are truly grounded understand that they're flawed, and and they will apologize when they make mistakes, and we all do. And, and I never see Trump making apologies. I think I think in his mind, I don't think he really believes that. I think. He's a self-promoter, and he thinks that it's a greater, I need to play the part, and I'm going to psychologically tell everybody that I'm the best, I did the greatest, and all this stuff constantly, so that it gets embedded into their minds and sub subconsciously. I think this is what he really believes. That's what a promoter does. It's constant message, con constant message. I don't know if he really believes it. I've seen him in other circumstances where he does give thanks to other people around him for doing certain things, you know, in closed doors. Have you ever doors. seen him apologize? Uh, no. Right. Thomas. Have you ever apologized? Yes. <laughs> I apologize for giving you so much time on Trump. Okay. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, Thomas, 
Trump, DeSantis, Ramaswamy. Mm. Okay, here here's my fundamental um, issue with Trump that I want to propose to you to see if, if that is a big enough issue for, for us to consider another candidate. Now, if we could get the policies back and we could get the economy and the nation run just like he did before, because I think Adam makes a great point. He has a track record of doing it. And if we could just implement that again because we know what we're getting, um, then fine. But here's the big but. What we also got with Trump is a huge division, a, a deeper divide between Americans during his presidency. And I think, truly believe that most Americans share most things in common. If we were to line up 10 things that we attribute to our happiness every day, and you take a Democrat, you take a Republican, you take an Independent, nine of those things are going to match up. But we focus on the one that doesn't out of that, those 10. And I think Trump really has the ability to push that button on the difference. And so he continues to divide. I think that uh, The Sound of Freedom, that movie that came out for rescuing children from human trafficking, the reason that the uh, mainstream media went against it was because Trump had his fingerprint on it in the fact that um, Tim Ballard met with Trump as he, when he was a president about helping to secure the borders and shut down this human trafficking. And anything that's got Trump's fingerprint on it, one half of the country is going to oppose, regardless of the merit of it. And there couldn't be anything more sympathetic and easier to get behind than stopping the human trafficking of children. Yet they've, they've shown, that the mainstream media and the left has shown that that's how strongly they oppose this individual, that they will, they will oppose anything, regardless of how good it is, if it's got his fingerprint on it. Is that something we can overcome in, in electing somebody like, well, Trump in particular. It's not somebody like Trump. There is no anybody like Trump, Trump in particular. Sure. Um, <clears throat> I, think, I think it's possible, but I think it, it happens a little bit on Donald Trump's end, too, if he would maybe walk back the rhetoric slightly. And I, I think I agree with Adam. I think he knows what he's doing. I think he enjoys maybe poking people when he knows he's got them on the back foot. You know, and uh, if maybe he could have a little more discipline and take his foot off the gas, maybe at an earlier time, I think I think the nation survives. What I do like about him more than I think even his policies was the ability for him to not be bought, and I think that's what frustrates people. And that's you know when you're dealing with you know agencies that are going rogue, for example, the ability to say I don't need you, I. I'm a self-made you know, billionaire. I can't be bought. I don't need your lobby money. I can structure things how I want. That's pretty powerful. Um, but to Adam's point as well, like DeSantis is younger. Got to give him a shout-out. Navy Jag. Ooh, yeah, for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, uh, he's got the right policies. The question would be, can he? does he implement them when he's got opposition in the House and in Congress? Because I think that's a little unfair comparison. Well, and... In Florida, mm-hmm. I think Florida is a great microcosm, mm-hmm. and and I think it's a good um, testing ground for what happens in, in politics around the country, and we've seen that in the past. You know, it was a deciding vote or state for determining the Bush and uh, Gore, mm-hmm. Al Gore, and, um, and, and he has shown that by implementing good policies, 
not only can he increase his support, but um, the state in general will will go forward. He he went out and cleaned house in the state of Florida. And if you haven't read his book, The Courage to Be Free, please do. We got to take a break here. This is Life, Death, and the Law. Coming up, more thought-provoking conversations on life, death, and the law right after this. Hey, you, my Dave Ramsey here. If you listen to our show or know anything about us, then you know I only recommend products and services I trust and I believe in. That's why when it comes to protecting your assets and planning for your loved one's future, you've got to call my friends Sean Garner and Adam Hansen at the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen. I encourage you to take the first step and attend a free, no-pressure seminar and learn all of your options. The firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen has been educating the Yuma community for over 40 years, and this is the only area of law that they practice. Sean and Adam believe in giving free education to help people make smart decisions about their assets and help them leave a legacy for their family that they can be proud of. Schedule a free personal consultation today. Call 783-4575 or visit YumaEstatePlanning.com. You're listening to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by Deason, Garner, and Hanson, the law firm that has been voted Yuma's best six years in a row. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Law. I'm attorney Adam Hanson, and I'm in the studio today with Sean, uh, my partner in crime here at the law firm, and then we've got our really good friend, Tom Sparks. He's a Navy JAG. Marine Corps. Marine Corps. Ura. Which is a branch of the Navy. Excuse me. That's can right. I say that on air? Yes, you can. Okay. We're the Department of the Navy, albeit the men's department. This is what's common. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh-huh. But Tom is awesome, and he's a super smart guy, a uh, really good friend of ours, and uh, he has some really good insights, so we like to invite him from time to time. Um, it's probably better to just listen to him because he's way better than we are. However, uh, Sean was talking about uh, DeSantis and, and the, the cleanup that he did to Florida. And, and I, I enjoy watching Governor DeSantis do what he's doing in Florida. What I didn't enjoy, this is one, one thing that really irked me, was the whole Disney thing. Not because of what, what the policy was behind all this of what DeSantis did, but when he really came at Disney... Disney World and these things that they'd had grandfathered in for many years. I know a lot of the the uh, right leaning media like heralded this, and they were all on board with that. To me, I thought I agree with it, but I don't agree with how you're doing it. In the sense of it looks punitive to me the way that you're coming after a corporation, and I never want to see a government go after a corporation in that manner. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, because what it reminds me of is what we're living through the Biden administration right now. It's all fun and games when you're on the same side as that government going after a corporation that you don't agree with. It's not so fun when you're, when you're on the side of that corporation or you are the target of the government yeah. that's coming after you. We saw that during the Barack Obama administration where um, conservative um, funding organizations were audited by the IRS. Yep. Yeah. Because of their political, um, affiliations. And that obviously we saw was wrong. And, and I agree with you in that point. I I did not. So I, where I agree with DeSantis on policy issues, I agree with him in the sense of I, the fundamental values that he wants to maintain in Florida. I don't agree with the government going after a corporation because they don't uphold those. Uh, that, that, that to me is, 
it, it, I was disappointed to see everybody jump on the bandwagon and not say something about that on the left, on the right. I mean, obviously the left said, you know, it's your horrible person, DeSantis, for doing this. But the right was all for him, you know. Yeah, go after Disney. They're the worst, blah, 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 blah. It's like this mob mentality. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You yeah. never want a government official targeting you. No. Like, that is not good. Tom, what do you think about that? Yeah, I didn't, I'm a little bit behind the curve, I think, in that whole situation. But I agree with the principle that you've, you've talked about, you know, right or left, you know, you've, you've got to respect the, the agency of the individual because going back to what you said earlier in the show, the, the individual is the engine. They're the motor of the economy. They're the, mo- the motor of the spirit of the United States. So when you've got a government grinding individuals, it's just going to lead to bad things. Yeah. What I like about Tom, I got to throw this in here, is that what I've noticed is he always agrees with me. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I really like him on. It just came to that, that epiphany. Sean, what do you got to say? Okay, well, let's let's bring up some other talking points here. Um, Vivek, he is the only one that's calling for uh, increasing the voting age to 25. And it used to be 21 until the, I think it was the 26th Amendment. Um, some of you will fact check me on that one. But um, World War II came out and a lot of people were going over and fighting at age 18. And they said, if you can fight at age, age, age 18, then you can vote at age 18. You still can't drink, but you can, you can vote. And I see that logic, but I also see the logic. He says that we increase the voting age to 25 unless you pass a civic test and you do it when you graduate high school that is similar to anybody that immigrates legally to the United States and becomes a citizen, they have to pass a civics test that demonstrates an understanding of what our country is and, and the founding principles of our country. I think it's a fantastic idea. I, I could even go further with that, that we do a civic test every um, couple of years, kind of like a driver's license test, that you, you go through that, and if you want, when you renew your driver's license... Uh, and you want to vote or register to vote, every time you register to vote, you need to pass a civics test so it shows that you have some type of capacity to understand what our country is about. The civics test, if you look at it, um, you can pull it up easily. You can just um, Google immigration civics test. What What is the website there, Cody? Uh, U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, just their... U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services and, Dog, uh, and, yeah. and, and put in civics test. And there's 100 questions that can be on that civics test. They only ask 10 of them, and you only have to know or only get seven of them right. And so it's, it's, it's not an onerous test. I think you should be able to get at least 80% of all 100 right. But nonetheless, it, it discusses the fundamentals and the principles upon which our country was founded and if you can't, if you don't understand those, then I don't think that voting is is a right that is just implemented or um, given to you when you're born or because you exist. I mean, we know a lot of people go through mental decline, and um, should those people be voting? We have a lot of people that um, when they get a felony, they can't vote, and a lot of felonies I don't think are um, necessarily. Um, constitute a, a violation of a, a crime against America, right? There are these civil or these criminal crimes, but these individuals now no longer have a say 
in the elected leaders. And there's an argument both sides for that. But if those individuals can't vote because they committed a crime, why should individuals that don't even know the basic principles upon which our country has been founded be able to vote? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point that you bring up. And I think, um, I mean, in theory, you're on board with it. But that's never going to work. I mean, it's never going to be passed in a bicameral uh, Congress. There's just no way. Um, Because you have the other argument on the other side that's like, there are no impediments to my voting. Everybody gets a vote. Everybody gets a vote, no matter what. Even ignorance. Even even if you're dead, you can vote. (laughs) Well, you know, and and we we go into these legal hearings frequently with guardianships where people are incapacitated and um, this has recently come up with the attorney general um, for arizona that says that it's unconstitutional that their voting rights are taken away when they get appointed a ward of um, whoever the guardian that they're appointed and uh, constitutionally i say if if they've established those voting rights initially and, and have established them because they've passed that civics test and great let's administer the civics test again during that that proceeding to determine whether or not they still have the capacity i think that would resolve the issue as opposed to going through a full-blown evidentiary hearing and trial to determine whether or not they're so far gone that they can't have any legitimate uh, opinion on anything are they still a taxpayer at that point yeah yeah, they're a taxpayer. I mean, that representation. Yeah, it's a good argument. If they're like still Puerto Rico, they still have a, a a guardian or somebody filing a tax return on their behalf. They still have a social security number. They're still in the system. Yeah, but I mean, can anybody who files taxes vote? No, no, I, no. no. Right? You have to be a citizen to vote. But I'm just saying, you had that right at one point, and now it's 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 being, being taken, taken away. away. And that's why I think that civics test is such an important litmus test to determine your uh, mentality. To determine whether or not you should be able to vote. What oceans on the East Coast? That's one of those questions, right? <laughs> if you get that wrong, you can't vote. Right. Fair enough. So we talked about three candidates today, Ramaswamy, in order from electability, right? Ramaswamy, DeSantis, Trump. That's how the polls currently stand. Trump at the top by overwhelming margins yeah. and the, of electability. And then you've got DeSantis, who's, who trails behind him by a lot. And then you've got uh, Ramaswamy that's making a surge, but, but yeah. still not making a dent in... It's like in, 6 or 7% that... Yeah, so as much as we talk about these individuals and how much we like this, that, and the other about them, what I hear you to say, our conversation really today is, are they electable? And, and unfortunately, that's what it's all about. Going back to high school, it's basically like a... Like, voting your president of the high school. It's a popularity contest. That's really what it comes down to, unfortunately, because we don't have a civics test and it's really about just popularity for this individual. And so uh, is Trump is, is Trump electable? I don't know. I don't know if he's more so than the opponent on the other side. I don't know if he is. I don't think he's going to win over any independents and I don't think he's going to win over any Democrats. Um, I think that he's got a strong base for Republicans, but there are also... A, a, large group of Republicans that won't vote for him. And so, whereas I think uh, DeSantis is less divisive, there aren't things that um, he's touched that people are like, absolutely never will I ever vote for that DeSantis guy. He's like Trump in his policies. They're very similar in their policies. But I think that uh, as far as morality goes and a family man goes, DeSantis has a stronger track record. I don't think that's a stretch to say that. And um, as far as being able to show a proven track record of governing, he's, he's got a good track record. How 
you, you can't do it any other place than being president than a place like Florida, the way, the way that he's done it. So I don't think he's nearly as divisive, and I think that wins the argument at the end of the day. I want to start being reunited with my fellow Americans across the aisle. I want to start feeling comfortable in speaking about political issues, and I can say the name of our president without them just totally turning their back and walking away. Yeah, and I, I think DeSantis brings that to the table. I just don't think he—it all comes down to who's nominated. You know, who wins the nomination for the party? And at this point in time, it's going to be Trump overwhelmingly. And so it doesn't look very good in a national election for, um, you know, the Republican Party, let's say, to put forth their candidate against a Democratic uh, opponent like Biden or RFK Jr. But I, I, I think the best candidate personally is Ramaswamy. I think he is the best candidate to run the United States of America at this moment in time. In theory. Mm-hmm. In theory, but he's not electable, unfortunately. I mean, Why? I want to say that he is. Why isn't want, he electable? For two reasons, and they're both reasons that supposedly the Biden administration is supposed to be fixing, and that is race and religion. Number one, he is an Indian American, and say what you want about the racial divide and, and persecution to uh, the black community or the white community, but... That community, the Indian American community, Chinese American community, Oriental, they are the most persecuted, I would argue, in the United States of America. When getting into colleges, when being treated fairly, they are not. And nobody talks about them. And uh, he's in that class, number one, his race, unfortunately. And uh, I think that's, that, that will make him unelectable. Number two, his religion. He is not a Christian. In the United States, I think it's overwhelmingly Christian denominations. I think it's uh, 77% or Especially something like that. Especially for Republicans. Republicans like a good, solid Christian base. Yeah, and so I, I, it's not 77 I just pulled it up. It's uh, according to a Pew Research poll, the makeup of the United States religiosity is going to be Christians at 70.6%. Okay, And that, that includes all sorts of different faiths in that. You've got the Mormon faith, Catholics, evangelical Protestants, which is one of the largest Catholics and evangelicals are the biggest uh, Christian faiths in the United States. Non-Christian faiths like Vivek, he's a Buddhist, I think is what, Sean, you were telling me. I haven't looked into this. Um, But he believes in Christian principles. Buddhism. He's Hindu. Oh, he's Hindu. So that comes in at 0.7% of the United States population. I don't think... I don't think an evangelical is going to vote for anybody else that is not a Christian. Well, and and we get back to the Constitution, and I think we really need to press on the Constitution on this, that there shall be no religious test for running for political office. And that's that's very specifically stated in the Constitution. And, And I know that people don't understand or don't apply the Constitution as they should, but all the points that he's stating are constitutional and make sense. And the fact that he's not black or white, right? He's, he's an outsider from both political standpoints and, 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 and the racial discrimination points, I think makes him the best candidate of o- overall for all of us. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. I'm not saying it's right, but you asked the question, is he electable? I don't think he is. Unfor- I think he is the best because of all the reasons we've stated, but I don't think he's going to be elected yeah. because of these two big reasons. And nobody wants to talk about it or say it out loud. It's not that I believe it. I don't believe that that should be the case, but that is the reality, especially when you've got these big voting sections of, of a Florida or of a South. We'll talk to you next week. This is Life, Death, and the Law. 
If you have questions or want to know more about something that was discussed today, please call the law firm of Deason, Garner & Hanson at 928-783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com.